All right, we're, we're official. I, I joked with, uh, when I started David Cohn's interview off, yeah. I think I started with, all right, or okay. And it's like, I, I start every single one of these off with some right, kind of, <laughs> okay. And, and, and I think Cohn and I agreed that that's all right and it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> it works for me. So, so here we are. I'm down, uh, I don't know, I guess what I would call my old stomping grounds down in Friendswood, right? It's, yeah. uh, it's Saturday morning at nine o'clock. Uh, I'm sitting here with, with Eric Langston, um, drinking coffee in his dining room. Yeah, man. This is killer, nice man. To have you. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love, we were talking before we got going, right? The part of the fun for me is, you know, where I end up physically, yeah. right? The, the environment and what we end up doing and, you know, and, and it's a blast. I love the fact that you, you asked me to come down to your house and, and, and sit in your, in your dining room. And the first thing you did, uh, thankfully was offer me coffee. <laughs> I, I understand, man. It's starting to work now, especially. I, I understand the value of coffee. Absolutely. So. Good. And unfortunately, I've become a coffee bigot. Mm. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, which is bad. Um, so when I'm at the house every morning, I have, I, I have my, bean, my whole beans, right, that I buy from some, you know, some millennial hipster. Overpriced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I and, and I have my little manual grinder, right? Uh -huh. So in the morning when I'm taking the dog out to poop in the backyard, I'm grinding my beans. <laughs> um, and then I go in and press a cup of coffee. Nice. Right? And, but it's not nice. The problem is I've inadvertently turned into some hipster doofus, right, who yeah. demands fresh some pressed high coffee. Level, you have coffee. It's a bummer. I really want to be, I, I, I want to be kind of that proletarian, I'll just drink Folgers and it'll be okay, right? right? But it, it's not. Like That's that. all right. Um, so yeah, a lot about coffee. I apologize. Um, so as everybody knows, uh, you know, we, I've been focusing on on coaches and personalities here in Houston, right? And, and trying to assess the, the state of the sport. Um, you know, started to reach out to other folks in other cities. You know, Rich, uh, Mike Brand is coming up. So we're going to be pulling in some folks from other cities here in Texas to talk and kind of compare what what's working, right? Because these cities are all different. And stuff that works yeah. in San Antonio isn't going to work no, here, right? It's almost like four different states. Yeah, it's wild, right? So a couple of weeks ago, I, I'd come up with the, uh, the alarmingly clever idea to reach out to some players who've had some success at the college level, right, who came from the Houston area. Um, several names popped up, right? As soon as I, as I broached the idea, uh, Mike Staub was like, dude, you got to talk to Eric, right? Um, so, you know, reached out to you and, and you were nice enough to, to invite me down here to talk to you. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you about your experience here with lacrosse in, in, in the Houston area growing up. You know, the good, the bad, and the ugly about that. How that sets you up, right, for your right. college career. And then also once you got off to college, and we were just talking about it, right, once you got off to college, right, as you're sitting around in the locker room with the boys and, and comparing notes, right, how, how did your experience, you know, compare to their experience and how were they successful or unsuccessful as a result of their experience? I think there's, man, I think there's a wealth of information in this discussion, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, so I'm, I'm super excited. Um, you know, coaches can sit around and speculate about, you know, stuff all day long. The reality is the rubber meets the road with the players, right? And, and y'all's yeah. perspective is going to be really cool for this. Um, I'm, I'm excited. So... Let's start, we, we talked a little bit about, you know, I, I was, when I reached out to you, I'm like, okay, I knew, that, like we talked about, it. I know there's two Langston brothers, at least two, right? maybe yeah, there's no, more, I don't know. Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I was like, man, I knew one of them played 
friends with youth lacrosse when I started up Phylax. Right. right. I'm like, was it Eric? I don't know. <laughs> it could be. Um, but it turns out you were, you know, it was the, it was the younger Langston yes. right, that, that got involved in Phylax and you started playing lacrosse in, uh, I think you said seventh grade? Eighth grade. Eighth grade. Okay. All right. At Friends with Junior High, right? So, you know, maybe if there's history before that, Mm-hmm. Right, there's Talk, not, but, but I yeah, got you. Is, you know, <laughs> giving you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but may, you know, maybe you start at the beginning. Tell us, man. You know, how did you find it? Right. right. You know, how did it start? Was it just a big ugly mess? Right in eighth yeah. grade. You oh, know, t- it, tell me all abso- about it. Absolutely was. So, um, uh, what my understanding of friends with the cross started in seventh grade. I had a lot of buddies that I ended up being good friends with from football. Um, that played lacrosse in seventh grade. I didn't, I didn't know what lacrosse was. Uh, I probably could have told you what a stick was, but that was about it. That was my knowledge of lacrosse. I played football and I played baseball. And then in eighth grade, my buddy Christian, who I played defensive end with from seventh grade until seniors in high school, and he ended up being a phenomenal football player. He went and played at UAB at Bling College. Uh, really big guy. And uh, he told me, he's like, hey, man, you got to play lacrosse. And he just showed me this highlight video of just guys getting their heads knocked off. And that to me, that's what made me want to play. I was like, okay, so, you know, it's an off season from football. We can still be physical and I can still play baseball along with it. And the plan all along was to play baseball in high school. I loved baseball as a kid. So I was like, I'm going to play one year of lacrosse, you know, and then I'll play baseball and football and I'll be, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm okay with that. And, uh, and I almost didn't even play lacrosse because I was an eighth grade kid and I wasn't focused on anything. And my mom, weirdly enough, I was, I was playing Xbox in the, in the living room over there. And she goes, Eric, it's the, it's the dinner tonight. You've got it. We've got to go tonight. You've got to make a decision. And I I never forget. I just kind of said, sure, you know, let's go. And hilarious how everything else. Sounds like you were super committed right from the get go. Very committed (laughs) to the sport. So who, um, I, I should know this history, but I'm an old man and I don't. I've forgotten. So that eighth, your eighth grade year, was that the first year at Friendswood Junior High? So it, uh, it was the second because okay. my seventh grade year, those guys played. I didn't. Gotcha. Eighth grade, right. when I joined in. So I was behind the curve already. Um, because the, as, as much as it was as, a yes, curve. I wouldn't point. call it a steep <laughs> curve, um, a very flat curve, but I was a little bit behind. More so, I would say, in the development of your hands and your stick more than anything up here uh, mentally. But, um, so yeah, so that was the first year, I believe seventh grade, um, which I guess was in like 08. Yeah. Friendswood's interesting because, you know, most of the time when people are building teams and organizations, right. Or community based teams or school based teams, generally not all the time, but generally they start from the bottom, right. Mm -hmm. They find round up a bunch of fifth and sixth graders. Let's play. Right. Um, Philby talks about this, right. He'll be talked about catching on with a group of like, I think it was fifth and sixth graders, maybe younger, um, in Richmond. And then, you know, kind of working from there and following those boys, more or less, you know, up the chain right. until they got in high school and then bang, there's a high school team, right? Yeah. Friendswood was different because bang, there was a varsity team. Yes. And then we started to fill in down below it, right? And right. It, it Which was, is an interesting way to, to start it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I had no knowledge of any kind of phylax or anything for... For a long time, until my brother Russell played. Uh, so him and uh, Luke McAdams, who yep, I remember yours. Luke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's he's at Elmhurst too now. Oh, is um, he really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got a little. Fr- and then Parker O'Leary, who weirdly enough lives lives in this neighborhood too. He's up there as well. He's a freshman. So there's oh, three wow. friends with boys up in Elmhurst. I think right I now. knew. I think I, I knew Parker, Parker was up there. I believe he played 
there. Yes. But. So I knew, I bumped into or these interviews crack me up because it's like how quickly can we end up in the ditch, right? The so I bumped into Parker at I think it was with the Outlaws. I was coaching with the Outlaws for a few years. I think at that point he may have been playing Outlaws. Um, you know, I don't know if it's sixth, seventh, eighth grade, okay. somewhere in there, right? Yeah. Um, and then he, I think his family moved to Friendswood at that point. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah, right yeah. around then. So it's all right. But um, he's a good kid. I'm glad he's up there. Um, I, I love personal. We're getting off, but that's per- all right. <laughs> this is the whole point. Of this. <laughs> My experience going off and you know and getting away from from everybody and doing your own thing a little bit. And they're all kind of doing a similar thing going up there and. And I'm I'm happy for them. And from from everything I know, they're enjoying it, and I know they're doing really well. Um, I'm really excited to see Luke this year as a sophomore, and see Russell and Parker as freshmen. Yeah, yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. Yeah, that's cool. So back to sorry, back yeah. to back to eighth grade. Yeah, right? um, so yeah, so eighth grade is my first year. I wouldn't call it much of lacrosse. You know, it's more just be trying to hit people. Uh, but I loved it. I loved everything about it. Uh, I loved the you know in football the mental aspect of the game. And there's more to it, but you line up, you you have your play, and then you're reading, and it's all fast. In lacrosse, as a as a defensive perspective, it's not set before the play. You know, every every pass, every everybody's responsibility changes, and it's constantly changing and evolving. And I and as as little as I knew about that whole process at the time, I loved it, and I could see that I did. So that's with my with my boys, anybody I'm coaching, but you know, obviously my regular season team, my varsity and JV boys. I talk a lot about volatility, right? right. And that you, you, man, you nailed it, right? Football is a game where you can X's and O's go down here, take a left turn, and the ball is yes. going to be right there, right? Yeah, it's going to you the, set it up, it's snapped, and then it's going. Right, That's lacrosse. It. What I love about lacrosse, and I talked about this with Rich Moses, right? The, 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 the importance of feedback loops and shortening down those feedback loops because the game is so volatile, mm-hmm. right? You can't be looking over here to the coach. No. Oh, you know, do this. Ah, oh, do that. Right by then, it's it's over. You know, two passes in, whatever you thought you had organized yes, it's is awesome. out the window. Yes, and, right? offenses, <laughs> yes, and offenses are designed to beat that. You know, right. we, we always talk, when I'm coaching kids, I always say, you know, if you, got, you can slide one time and recover one time. If you can't, you're bad. Like, just, just being frank with you. Everybody, <laughs> bad defenses can do that. What it, you know, if you can slide, recover, reassess, and then make multiple slides past that point, right. that's when you're good defense. And you become great when you have a... a perfect level of communication on top of that and athletes don't don't hurt either but um but yeah I just I loved I could tell early on that I loved that that type of thinking so the you know Friendswood's interesting because from the get-go you know Steve and you know then subsequently Gary right at the junior high level they committed to hey this is going to look like a school sport right right that was very important and yeah, yeah, it was it was very important, and you know, those folks. Honestly, I've got a history with both of them, and mm-hmm. we butted heads on on stuff. But you know, you have to appreciate the fact that they stepped up, they had passion, and they had a vision. Right, right. I, um, I'm not going to argue that. Yeah, we talked right? about how important that is at a basis level. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, th- their vision at the at that eighth grade level was, you know, the coach is going to be a teacher, mm-hmm. teacher, school employee. I, I whatever. <laughs> Six one half doesn't be other. Yes. Um, I mean, in your opinion, looking back, right and at the time, you didn't know because you already admitted. Oh, right. I don't know. Didn't have a clue at the time. Um, you know, looking back, good thing, bad thing. Did it matter at that age? Uh, right. Well, for me, it was great because if we would have, you know, I would, I would say, 
if I had to pick, I would say start at the youth level, build it from there. Because Friendswood still struggles with the youth system because of probably partially how it was set up like that top heavy and focused on the varsity. Right. And you're, you're never, you're not going to have sustained success if you are worried only about the finished product and less about how it gets there. That being said, I would have never played lacrosse had it not been for Steve Kirk setting it up right. where he said, let's get this established and then build it out. Right. So for my biased opinion, I'm glad it worked out the way it did. Cause if you, if they would have said, Hey, we're going to start third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, build it up from there. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have played. And honestly, I probably wouldn't know the difference, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm so thankful that it worked out the way it did. Um, That's and, an interesting perspective, right? Because had they taken that traditional bottom up approach, I mean, think of all the 2015, 2016, 2017 boys that came out of Friendswood mm -hmm. and 2018 boys that, that come out of Friendswood to go in and play. All those boys would have been missed. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and again, That's an interesting perspective. It is. And, you know, you wouldn't necessarily think about that. But, like, you know, Taylor Nowak, goalie for us, went on to play at Hendricks, had a great career at Hendricks. Um, Mitchell Pollan and Blake Rowland went and played at Texas Tech for four years. And Mitchell almost runs that, ran that team because um, yeah, yeah. they didn't have a coach. And it amazed me listening to him talk about just at a club level how much he had to do. And I was like, man, you guys really, you guys really care. Because it's, you know, for his, I mean, we in Elmhurst put – a lot of time in. I would say more than probably 90% of Division three teams. We put a lot of time. Everyone really digs in and cares. But it would be tough to say, like, hey, let's go in and do these workouts and these practices if we didn't have coaches on us setting that up, right? And so Mitchell's talking about it, saying how they organize that stuff. And I, I'm truly impressed with, with that level of dedication, not having a coach and a developed system around you. Uh, but those just guys, and then there's been guys after us that have gone on to play uh, Sansoms, for example. Um, yep. But yes, most of us, my whole class in general, Jake Jones, who was best high school player I ever played with, um, best friend all through high school, great kid. But he uh, he probably would have played because of his uncle Mike. Yeah, right? we, I had that discussion with Donley, dude. Yeah. I'm with you. Jake Jones is like this little pearl that nobody knows about. Yeah. Right? Yeah, kid was incredible. <laughs> kid was absolutely incredible. And he went and played a little bit of A&M, but he wasn't, he said, you know, he never wanted to go play off in college after a couple years and, you know, all, more power to him because he's doing great with school and everything. But that kid was something else. And, yeah. and we, Stav and I always joked about throughout senior year, like, it was kind of like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to dodge with Jake. And then you're going to have to try to stop it. And then we're going to play decent defense on the back end with me, Mitch, and Taylor, and uh, Blake. Blake's a phenomenal defensive man. No one knew about him. And by his senior year, phenomenal offensive threat, too, because he was just a big dude that could dodge down the alley. But that was it. That was it. Jake's going to score. We're going to try to hold you to under eight. And that's, how, that's yeah. our formula. Jake was phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, he was fun phenomenal. to play with. So it sounds like. You know, you, you landed in the, eighth, the, eighth, the program, the eighth grade program at, at Friendswood Junior High, right? It sounded like you were kind of balancing baseball. What am I going to do? At what point did you say, baseball, not so much? <laughs> so, weirdly <laughs> enough, I can tell you exactly. We, uh, we were playing River Oaks. It was probably our fifth game. So, at this point, I had a little bit of my feet under me. And we beat them in overtime. And I remember at one, it was the overtime faceoff was happening. And I remember thinking to myself, which I at that rarely have that kind of introspection in the middle of the game, but I thought to myself, at this moment of clarity yes, right in the middle of the game, <laughs> face off for overtime is about to happen. And I thought to myself, 
this is way more intense. And I loved baseball. Like, this is way more exciting than I think I've ever been at a, in any moment in a baseball game in my career. Really? I, yeah. I mean, just think it's an overtime lacrosse. It's I'm, as good I'm as it gets. Yeah. And I loved baseball, but I, I remember thinking, that's it, man. I'm, I'm sold. I'm done. And we ended up beating River Oaks in overtime. Um, and so, yeah, that was it. And then, so freshman year, uh, I played lacrosse and, and football. So, we, well, I want to go back to, so Rob's, right? I assume River Oaks. Mm-hmm. Is it Rob's? Yeah. So after that Rob's game, um, I mean, did you come home and, and talk to mom and say, I hate to break your heart, mom, but baseball's done. I mean, was it? Kai, <laughs> well, you're, you're 50% right there. So my mom and stepdad were sold on lacrosse, and they loved baseball. My stepdad played baseball for a long time um, in high school. So they loved baseball, but they were sold on lacrosse too. It was my dad who coached me all through Pee Wee and everything, and he was the one where I knew that was going to be a tough conversation. But, you know, he ended up being a phenomenal supporter and loved lacrosse for me and Russell. So... I was yeah. going to say, I think I bumped into your, did your dad, I think I may have bumped into him maybe when Russell was playing. I think, yeah. I think I've, I've met your dad and okay. talked to him. I'm sure, yeah. I think. Um, you mean he was at all his games and everything, yeah, so it yeah, would yeah. make sense for you to have seen him. I think so. Um, but he, he still loves, we both, we're going actually going to the Astros-Yankees ALCS game tonight. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's <laughs> little cool. brag there. No, but, uh, so he's always loved baseball, so that was a tough one. Um, but, you know. It is what it is, and it's obviously worked out for the better, I believe. So. Yeah, yeah. So, wrapped up your your eighth grade year, landed at the high school, right? New coach, Steve Kirk, right? Yes. Um, different coaching style, different focus, different passion, right? Uh, different objective, frankly, yes. at the high school level, right? right. Um, you know, so tell me about that freshman year at, at Friendswood High School. So it was it was a lot, you know, trying first of all just adjusting to high school and high school football, and then throwing onto that we had fall ball. So we were having morning freshman football practices and then afternoon lacrosse uh, varsity level practices. So I'm going I'm to ask you, again, I'm a little, you know, uh, playing bad poker here, right? Because I know some of these answers. Um, so you're a freshman at Friendswood High School playing f- football and lacrosse, right? Um, Tell me about that, the tension between the football and the lacrosse. Oh, yeah. The, the, so there's, there's multiple players here, right? There's Steve Kirk, mm-hmm. right, as the lacrosse coach. There's the school district. There's the AD, who at the time may have been the head coach, too, the head it football coach. He was Van Meter at the time. Not, yeah. And then it went on to Koopman, who was the same thing, <laughs> AD and head Yeah, coach. So, so, so tell me about, you know, that experience as a, as a freshman who's rel- still relatively new to lacrosse. You know, you, you played football growing up, right? Right, and here you land at Friendswood Junior High, and man, there's this tension, right? Oh, and it's absolutely. a palpable tension, very much, so. right? Very much, yeah. and, you know, because lacrosse is still so new around here, and every in in Friendswood, Texas, especially, but in Texas in general, football is king, and I can I understand that. I'm excited to watch a bunch of football games today, um, but it was definitely a little bit of a, a not a little bit, it was a hierarchy, and it was I got a lot of pressure from a lot of coaches, you know, like hey, let's focus on football. You know, we're really excited. We think you know you can be good. And I just never really bought into that. Um, and on top of that, I, I was you know I was playing freshman football my freshman year on the freshman team, and then freshman year in lacrosse I was playing on the varsity team. And that's not saying much. We didn't have much of a team at the time, <laughs> at all. But it just it made that higher in my mind thinking like okay I'm on a varsity team so I think had it not been like that had we been more of a traditional not even a powerhouse but a a team 
and I would have been on a normal freshman or JV team, it probably would have been a little bit less. Um, I would have been less inclined to really focus on lacrosse. Did, I mean, that, that freshman year, did anyone come to you and say, Langston, it's time to make a decision, right? You, not, you... not that black and white. <laughs> um, a lot of guys that, a lot of really good lacrosse and football players did ha- come to that, and they did end up just playing football. And, you know, happy for them, and they ended up doing really well. But I just never felt like one took away from the other. I felt like lacrosse helped my feet, helped me stay in shape in the spring more so than baseball. I always thought it was funny that they were okay with you playing baseball. And I go see these – we're over here running all running into the ground, and I see these baseball guys eating sunflower seeds in the dugout. You know? <laughs> and I, I'm good friends with some of those guys. One of my best friends is a friend of baseball players. So no, no judgments there, but – it just made me, I was like, so that's when I kind of realized it's not necessarily about actual development as it is. We want, you know, we don't like the sport of lacrosse in Friendswood yeah, yeah. And, and we don't want you to play. And by my senior year, very different, very different how that shook out. It still, it still was there. There was still a little bit of a, oh, lacrosse. Well, did you, did you hear, was, was it, I mean, were the, 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 the jabs at lacrosse sophisticated enough that. Oh, it's not, it's, it's not a school sport. It's not a real no. sport, right? It's not, it's not a UIL sport. Yeah, but it, who cares, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It, didn't, it didn't matter. Um, and by the end of it, it, kinda, it was almost a joke with some of the football coaches where, you know, by my senior year, my junior year, and I, they knew I didn't care I was going to play. And by, and by my senior year, I was pretty set on playing lacrosse in college. And I still, you know, had a great senior year of football, and I enjoyed it. Um, it didn't take away from that at all, but I definitely knew I was going to play lacrosse by, by the end of my senior year in football. And, uh, but no, the jabs were not sophisticated. I wouldn't give them any kind of credit like that. So the, when you, a couple of interesting questions about coaching. So the, the jump from junior high to high school, right? There was clearly a difference there from a coaching perspective. Maybe talk about that. But then also talk about in the moment, right? When you were a freshman mm-hmm. at the high school level, did you have any notion of this coaching is great coaching, good leadership, poor X's and O's, or was it just like, dude, I'm just excited to play? Yeah, I, w- I mean, I would have always said Coach Kirk was a phenomenal leader and a phenomenal motivator. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he could get us get us ready to go. And I had no no idea at the time X's and O's. I didn't know what was good defense, what was bad defense. I didn't know if we were we were running at an incredibly high level. We were not, <laughs> but I didn't know that. And, um, but I, I thought Coach Kerr did a phenomenal job getting us ready and getting us motivated and getting us out to practice and working hard. Because we, I mean, that may have been the best shape I've ever been in my life under really? Coach Kirk. Oh, man. He, well, he's he an ran. old Navy guy, right? Oh, yes, he yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and we knew that, you know. But I, I mean, for, you know, and for folks who, and we've skipped over some of this history, right? But for folks who don't know, you know, we talked earlier about the, the Friendswood's interesting because it started at the high school level, right? right? Steve Kirk's the guy who started, yes, right. Friendswood lacrosse, period, at the right. high school level, right? And you know, as with ninety-five percent of us who coach, right, this was not his full-time gig, yes, right. But you know, in an effort to make it look like a school sport, right? As I recall, he was there when school let out. Y'all were practicing early, right? Right yes. after school, right after school. You know, he was there for that. Uh, I've talked about this in another episode where in order to comply with the UIL like right rule so to speak you know he he became a bus driver he was a certified yeah. school bus driver right yeah to make it so so he in. was a he was technically a school district employee right, right? so um, you know 
the reality is, you know, to your point, whether it was leadership or getting the organization off the ground, right, or steering the ship, right, yes. for as long as he was here, you know, he was the guy. He did it. Yeah, right? he did. He did everything. Yeah, he yeah. didn't have a ton of help. We had managers, um, high school girls that were either most like uh, Erica Jones, for example, Jake's sister, that did a great job of helping him do a lot of different things. But no, it was him. We didn't have assistant coaches, right. which is crazy to me now to think about that he did all that. Um, but he did a phenomenal job from that aspect of just of building a program at a varsity level that that can be what it is now. Right. So, and he really, I think, set the table perfectly for a guy like Coach Staub to come in and, you know, wipe the lacrosse slate clean as far as X's and O's and knowledge and, and start to really build a fundamental understanding of the game and then, you know, theoretically to work through a, a youth program and then, you know, the whole Staub's no longer at Friendswood. That was a whole debacle. And we can, we can talk about that for a long time. And I have very note, note to self, <laughs> we'll talk about the Staub debacle at the end. Very long, very good opinions on that. That a lot of people probably wouldn't want to hear. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's incredible. That's good stuff. But anyway, so so tell me, so freshman year, right? You you, you said you you were was there a, a JV and varsity at that point, or was yes. just a varsity? Were you getting varsity minutes? Right. So, how, how did how did your season itself go? Right. So we had we had a play up system, is what Coach Kirk called it. So we had a JV and a varsity team. And they were about six, five or six kids that were what we called play-ups. So you played on JV, and then you suited up for varsity. And at that time, you could still play. Right. Um, I there may have been a minute restriction, but and you never really played if you were, but you were suited up for varsity, and you practiced all the time with varsity. So you were developing at a much higher level, and then going down. And so I was. Jake was on varsity. He was a freshman on varsity, and I was a play-up for the fall and early spring. And then we, and I remember thinking, I was kind of mad because we, we played one tournament. It was the Clear Lake tournament. And I, I was ticked because I did not get in for a single minute the first day. And I remember being so, <laughs> so frustrated because I had never experienced something like that really in a playing career. And so I remember thinking, why am I just not on JV? Why am, why am I up here on varsity to, to not play? I was, I was so mad. So then a couple weeks later, we played, Coach Kirk brought Jake and I down for a JV tournament to let us get a lot more minutes because Jake wasn't getting a ton of minutes at that time. And we, we played really well in this JV straight Jesuit tournament. We had a great time. And that's when it kind of clicked for both of us. We were like, okay, we belong up here. You know, we can, we can play with, with these varsity guys. Right. And then after that tournament, I wasn't a play-up anymore. I was just a varsity guy. So I never actually we when we went into the the spring season I wasn't a play up we were two varsity, which you know, wasn't that big of a difference. But and then so Derek Cheatwood, was a phenomenal one of one of my really good friends in high school, great defensive tackle, and a phenomenal pole, very smart, very quick guy. He got a concussion, and was out for a chunk of the year. So that put for the first part of the year. So that put me in to start, and then. Tanner House, who was a phenomenal friends with best pole from a lot of my time there, uh, who's a senior, I guess my freshman year, so senior, he was academically ineligible, which again, he shouldn't have necessarily been, but we were, we were trying to be a school program, so right, we have right. school rules. But, so he was out for the whole first half of the year. And so Cheatwood gets back from the concussion. He goes out for 
grades. And so I, it just seemed like there was this kind of, and then when Tanner finally came back for the last two games of the year, I was just kind of in that role. And so we were rotating at that point, but for 90% of the year, somebody was out. And so I was the third pole. And so I played my whole freshman year. Oh, awesome. But awesome. But it was at the expense of these older guys going down for different things. So what, what role do you think, however, you know, setting the, setting the, the judgment, right. Of the quality of lacrosse aside, yeah. right. How important was it that you just straight up got varsity minutes against huge, good competition? Huge. I think minutes year. to me, just playing minutes is so important. I would take, I would take playing at a, even a lower level. I would take playing JV over just practicing with varsity and just sitting on the sideline and watching. I, to me, I, you know, you learn by playing, you know, you, you learn physically how to handle the stress and your mind can work through things by playing. And you see that with, you know, you see freshmen that go to college, don't play freshman year, you know, and they play sophomore year. They're going to be better than if they would have started freshman year. That learning curve is going to be quicker, but they're still going to have, a, it's going to be a jump. Right. So pl- to me, playing those minutes is what makes the difference. And so I was very, very thankful that it worked out the way it did. So I think you mentioned that, that freshman year that Steve was the only coach. He didn't have any, any assistance. No, and then sophomore year is when Coach Staub came in. Gotcha. All right, cool. So going in your sophomore year, were you still playing multiple sports? Yes. I oh, let me, let me back up. In between uh, – shoot, I missed this – in between your freshman and sophomore year, what year was this? It would have been 2011. 2011. Were you playing summer ball at all? For lacrosse? Yeah. No, you I weren't. wasn't. I was football. I was, all I was right, cool. football. So going into your sophomore year, you're still playing football and lacrosse? Yes. Correct? Mm-hmm. All right. And the, so that sophomore year, you know, now Steve's got a, a staff. Yes. <laughs> yes. Coach Stop Coach came in. <laughs> so what was – you know, what was, what was the, the difference just in general, having, you know, another resource and more capacity, right, for practices? But then also, what was the, the, the difference between the two coaching styles, right, and what role did those two coaches play? Right. So for most of sophomore year, I didn't even know Coach Stavri well. So he ended up taking on the JV role his, his first year. So I didn't know him very much until the very end of the year when we were kind of going into playoffs he came up to started and started kind of running our offense, and that's when I first started trying, starting to see. Okay, there's you know there's more to this game. A little bit. you can t- you can tell Stab really knew lacrosse. Right, just knew what he was talking about, and so that's when I really started getting to know him. And then junior year, when Coach Kurt stepped away and Coach Stab became the varsity coach, that's when I that's when I really got to know Stab. And that's I I point to my junior year really as when I started going okay. You know, there's a lot to this game, and I really started developing the mental aspect. Of I, did, I didn't realize you had two years with each. I was thinking yes. you had three years with Steve and one year with no. It was two and two. All right. So the 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 difference between so your your sophomore year, friends would still D two. Yes. Right. And, yes. And junior year. And junior year. Right. So going into the junior year, coaching's turned over. What was what was the impact of that? Was it just the, you started to see X's and O's, right? A little more sophisticated X's and O's. Was there a difference in leadership style, direction, right? How, what was the yes. difference there? So the absolute, there was a, a difference in leadership style. You went from a, a guy, you know, like you said, an old Navy guy who was focused on, you know, hierarchy. You know, we had our captains, we had coach, and the captains almost ran the team outside of coach. And 
then coming into junior year, and Jake and I were elected captains, and we were pretty excited about that. And then Stobb came in and kind of didn't do away with that, but he really didn't put as much emphasis on that. You know, he said, you know, when I'm here, we're, you know, I'm going to coach this team. You know, you guys need to be leaders on the field, but not as much of that. And then I, I think as we became seniors the next year, he leaned on us a lot more. Yeah. But him coming in, he was trying to make a name for himself. He was trying, you know, it was his program now, and I don't blame him at all for that. Uh, he was he was going to be the guy, and again he ran us ran us a lot more that junior year than we probably did our senior year, um, but it was different. Uh, so coach Coach Newton, who at the time uh, I believe was at Dartmouth at the time, he uh, yeah. Coach Nate Newton, he came down a couple weekends, and we knew when he came down it was going for defense it was going to be a brutal four days of lacrosse. Was, was he at Newton landed at was he at Memorial at one point somewhere yes, in there? I believe yes. Right later and, on. And is that maybe so? Mike knew because I always thought Mike the two knew of them him from college. Okay, so all right, cool. But he's a phenomenal defensive coach. But he's hard. I mean, he's a hard coach, especially like on the defensive side. So when he came down, we knew we were in for it for a few days. But we knew come we were going to come out of it a much better defense. And so he, so Coach Newton and Coach Staub, to me, those two years built my foundation of, of defense and was when maybe and maybe this is another difference between the two coaching styles right when Steve was around was he pulling out in external resources like that or not, was not he, as much no okay so when Mike showed up he was reaching out yes okay he, he would bring in I mean just anybody he knew anybody that was down for the weekend and he had a, a, a vast group of those people coming from from up north where he played and everything yeah uh, and that was a cool cool thing to have like I said, we, we didn't necessarily love when Coach Newton was coming down because it was, it was hard, but legitimately came out of it running a more collegiate style of defense versus what we were doing beforehand. So what was the – I mean, when you say collegiate style, right, what, what was yeah. the, defensively – well, no, let's not get into that because I always tell them, say I'm not going to talk, talk X's. Talk X's. <laughs> I like it. As much as I want to. <laughs> it's killing me not to ask a bunch of questions. <laughs> but just, just from a basic perspective – the, the overall principle of everybody on the defense has a specific role. You know, before that it was, if, you know, you're hot, you're hot. If you're two, kind of you're two. Now it's you got a hot guy, two guy, three guy, backside needs to be at this position. Adjacent guys are fun, like in a specific position to help limit sliding in general. Right. Um, just that, just from a basic perspective. Just a, a level of sophistication. Yes. Saying right. it's, not, it's not one guy on ball, one guy's going to go hit him. You know that everybody has a role at any given moment. Yeah. yeah. The uh, yeah. I want to talk X's and O's so bad. Let's do it. <laughs> it's killing me. That'll be a different episode. Um, or maybe that'll be a beer. One of the two. Um, sure, me too. So, change in coaching that junior year. What year was that? So that was like going into 15, 14? We graduated fifteen. So fourteen. Spring 14? twenty fourteen. All right. So who are? What was the difference in? The makeup of the schedule between those two seasons. It was a lot harder. All Coach right. Staub came in. He's, I think we scheduled, because he wanted to go D1 immediately. Coach wanted us to be D1, which at the time none of us were super excited about because we have really felt like D2 we had a shot at, at making a run. But hindsight, and we'll get to this, but hindsight, vast, so glad that we did that. I mean, just phenomenal jump in talent and playing. And yes. So it was, we played, I believe, like seven D1 teams, maybe it was five that year when we were in D2. And we really, I don't know, I don't remember how many we won, 
But I remember we thought, okay, you know, we can we can do this. We were playing with them. And so we were a D2 team that year, and we went a couple rounds deep in the playoffs. We ended up going to San Antonio and losing to a team that we shouldn't have lost to. And going into senior year, we, were, we knew we were going to go D1. We knew Stav was going to take us there, and we were, we were okay with that. Going into junior year, we were not. But having played all those teams, we realized, okay, well, we can do this. We, these guys aren't running some crazy, <laughs> sophisticated you know, offense yeah. that beforehand we had thought they were. And now we understood some basis of lacrosse. Is, okay, we can do this. The, 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 that move to D1 is interesting for a lot of reasons, and we'll come back what, you know, how it impacted you from a competitive perspective. But you know, for me, if I look back at the last eight to ten years of history in Houston – and look at the teams that are moving up the competitive ladder rather than down the competitive ladder. Right. Right. And if you start based on the assumption that D1 is the most competitive level, mm-hmm. what is there, two teams maybe that have moved up into D1? Yeah. Seven Lakes and Friendswood. Right. Right. Something, and maybe I'm missing somebody in there, but, you know, nah. that's, that's the reality of it. Right. right? So, you know, it, it's, it's interesting that he that Mike was, was pushing that so much because nobody does. No, right? not at all. Folks are content to, to kind of ride down the, that ladder, that downward slope of that right. ladder and say, oh, wow, we won, we won state. 12 <laughs> games in, right, in D2. Or, man, we, we won the city championship in D3. Right. All right. Yeah, right? D3 but, wasn't and, even and, a thing when I was Yeah, when and, I was I, and I'm not disparaging those levels, right? No. But they're being misused. Yes, they're, they are meant to be developmental levels Correct. to be climbed up into Division One lacrosse. Right. And they are not. Right. <laughs> that is not how they are. And that's not how they were five years ago when I was in it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just interesting that, you know, the, the, the number of teams that are climbing up the ladder, it's just so few, right? And, and, and I think it's interesting that you were there for one of the, you know, two or three teams, whatever it is, that right. made that jump right within the last 10 years. Um, Which is incredible because, again, that's not how the system – I don't believe that's how the system was designed, and it's definitely not how it should be used. Right. So Yeah, it's completely misused. Well, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to ask you this question now since you're already there. The, the, that change to D1 – so your junior year, y'all were playing some D1, more comp- – We played a D1 schedule, and then we got into district, and we were back into D2. Right. But so, your senior year – D1, playing that, you know, that elevated level of lacrosse, playing against better teams. So what was the importance of that senior year in your development? So senior year is when we really started seeing legitimate Division I talent that we were playing against. I mean, most teams had an attackman, for example, that I would go against, and a lot of teams had really good polls that Jake was just eating their lunch every day. But everyone had a, it seemed like one attackman that I, I could get up out of bed and go, all right, let's do this. You know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna dance a little bit. Um, like the Woodlands had, um, gosh, I can't think of the kid's name, but he went to Furman. Gus, his name was Gus. Phenomenal, huge guy, huge, right? Massive. I played I played box with him this summer, and he yeah. ran me over. Oh, he's huge, gigantic. <laughs> um, he introduced me to the wraparound. I remember <laughs> watching him do that, and I was, wow! I mean, when you got arms that are ten feet long, yeah, it's not yeah. that hard. I guess he's a physical specimen. Yeah, it was, <laughs> but it was fun. You know, he probably dodged me you know, fifteen times that game, and it was just you know you got to learn, you see where you're at, measuring stick kind of. Yeah. Thing. So that man, that's awesome because that's what I try to tell my boys is the games, and specifically as you get further into the season and get to the playoffs, right. Those are opportunities to play better teams and measure yourself. Yes. Right? That's was was this week's or the last two weeks was the work we put into practice worthwhile. Right. 
right? Yeah, that's and- that's how you look at the. We lost by two goals. Well, I don't care. Right? Did did, did I did I did I measure up? Did the team measure up? Did you get right? better? Yeah. Did you did right. you get better at the process of? And that's why up? I love this your senior year that jump to that more competitive a level of lacrosse because right. that's like that's what that is, man. Yeah. Right. And, and what man we so we missed the playoffs senior year by we were the next team out so we didn't make it but we lost I don't know the exact number but legitimately like six or seven games in overtime or by one goal we were just right there we just seemed like we couldn't couldn't get there but it was it was good because we were all getting Taylor in the goal was getting much higher quality of shots and of dodges uh Mitchell was getting obviously you know number two attackmen who are better than a lot of number ones we were playing in d2 uh so it was it was good it was very good and I loved about it every I'm not kidding everybody had somebody that was either going somewhere in D1 or should or should have been going you know to a high level mid-level D2 did, D3 did your teammates going into that senior season did they all look forward to that change to D1 and that level of competition did they perceive that as a positive thing or were there boys that were like oh this sucks we're not going to win the city championship right. It, right I would say it was a combination uh, my my group uh, that I've talked about, those kind of five guys, we were all really excited about it. And then the rest of the team was probably 50-50, you could say, between, oh, man, I you know, I like scoring goals against these crappy teams versus now you're not going to be able to do that. So it was a mix for sure. And we were mixed before that, so it wasn't until really senior year that we felt comfortable with it. Did those did those other boys, right, in that that who were either ambivalent or opposed to it, as, the, as your senior year went along, you were playing better teams, right? And, and the level of your play was rising as a result. Very Did quickly. those boys come around? I'd say for the most part. You know, there's always going to be those kids that just still want to go score 10 goals on some terrible poor kid that's just picking up a stick for the first time. Right. But I would say 90% of the team, you know, by, by middle of the year, was thinking, you know, we can, we can hang here, we can, we can do this, and it's fun. Yeah. So. Uh, that's cool. That's awesome. I, I love, like I said, I love the player perspective on that, right? Because I and I, and I enjoy the fact that there were people who there were players that kind of came around, right? Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's like and rather than just shrinking in the face of it, going, yeah. "That's this sucks." And again, right? and we, you know, we came around to just before, you know, junior year is when a lot, like a good chunk of our team said, "Okay, we can do this." And then I would say the rest of them, as we did at senior year, because we were a much better team senior year, I think. Um, so that was exciting. But man, I love some of those matchups. Like see, Gus, uh, Kincaid had it. Andy Sullivan, I think that was his name. Sullivan, maybe that's not his first name. Really good. Yeah, attack. I think they were like two Sullivan brothers, maybe. Yeah, two at Kincaid. I played one of them. Yeah, it was yeah. good. We played Highland Park in, in the Woodlands, uh, we Woodlands tournament. And they had a couple attackmen that were the real deal. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They had, they had a couple of middies actually that were just ridiculous. Yeah, just fun I mean, to watch guys. That's awesome because we're sitting here and. Um, you know, as you're talking about the, the level of competition, right, and what it meant to you, you know, it's, it's like when I talk to Donnelly or some of these guys, and they're just like oozing passion, right? So we're sitting here, and I'm sitting here, and I can see, yeah, right. You're like, you're fired up. It's I like, man, those were, those are good times, dude. Yeah. We, you know, there were there were games where we got our asses handed to us, and guess what? That's okay. Yeah, and right? that's fine. The level of competition was was high, yeah, and we got better throughout that game. Yeah. 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 And like you said, you your your focus goes, you know, at that point your focus goes from okay, we yes, we we could have made a legitimate run division two state. Cool. <laughs> you know, instead I feel ten times more prepared to go play college across. Yeah, you know, and and I take that. Yeah, yeah. Any so day when of the week. When 
when did you make the decision and how did you make the decision, at least in your brain, not necessarily signing on the dotted line, that you were going to play at the next level? Um, so my senior year, going into my senior year, we did we went to Southern Combat, which is in Birmingham, Alabama, kind of like a T99, a much smaller T99, but a lot of uh, college coaches were there. And I really hit it off with a few coaches. The Hendricks coach, uh, Fox, now he's at Whittier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A um, little bit of a step up in scenery out in Whittier. But he uh, loved him. He was my coach for my team. He was awesome. And then we ended up all going and visiting Hendricks. And then uh, Coach Morell, who's the Elmhurst coach, he, I'll never forget, he, I'm with Coach Fox and we're going up to Coach Morell, who I didn't know at the time, which is funny to think about now. But Coach Fox tells him, you know, like, so who's, you know, who's your attackman? Like, who's your guy? And then Coach Morell kind of looked at me and goes, why? So you can put this guy on him? And so I kind of shook his hand, like, nice to meet you. And he goes, oh, is that the, the gate ice? I was like, yeah, it is. You know, I was proud of my stick. So I, he goes, can I see it? So I hand it to him. He looks at it for half a second, throws it on the ground, and goes, I'll see you at game time. And leaves, just walks off. And I remember thinking, who is this guy? This is awesome, right? Like, this, he's so juiced up. And, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, I ended up going to play for him for four years, and it was awesome. We had, you know, but... Yeah, so so that tournament really playing some some high level. Some so high that level was kids. In, that was after your junior going year, going into senior year, going yes. into your senior. That's year. when I really started to think, okay, I want to play lacrosse at the next level. And I was still after that, you know, I was still very much focused on football. Well, come football season, that was, you know, that was always my first. In high school, football was my main priority. I would say, even until that point. Um, so, so when you made that decision, I mean, it was before. The se your senior year. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it seems like your senior year experience was pretty impactful. Yes. So were you like, yeah, I want to play. And maybe by the time you got done with your senior year, were you like, not only do I want to play, I know I can play. Yes. Right? I'm exactly. confident that yes. I can do this. Yes. Right? I, yes. You add that, that level of, I, I know I can versus just wanting to do that. Right. Do you think it would have been different if that senior year you would have just stayed maybe in that less competitive Absolutely. D2 bracket. And even if even if I would have ended up at Elmhurst regardless, I wouldn't have wouldn't have been nearly as ready to do that and I wouldn't have felt like I was nearly as ready to do that. Cuz we wouldn't have played anybody that right that was, you know, nothing against some of those guys, but yeah, just yeah. you're not playing the same level of guys that you're going to play when playing in D1. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So when you went when you made the decision to go off to Elmhurst, you're you're done with football at that point? Um, so I played my fall senior year of football and then January where I, so I went up, I was, I decided to do a visit in the fall up to Chicago, up to go to Elmhurst. And then coach Morrell just never really got back to me and knowing him now, he just gets busy with things. And, but at the time I was like, Oh man, I guess he just doesn't want me to come up there anymore. You know, and no big deal. So I didn't get a plane ticket. We kind of loosely set a date and then just never confirmed it. So I didn't do anything. It was my bye week in football. And so then I get a call like two days before. He's like, all right, man, we're excited to have you up here. You know, I, well, coach, I'm not coming up. I didn't have a plane ticket. And at that point, I, I had almost leaned toward just going to A&M, doing the club thing. Um, and I, I love A&M. My mom went there, so I had always had good ties to there. And he basically said, listen, I just come take a visit. He said, come take a visit, and then I won't pressure you. Make your decision kind of thing. And so I went up to Chicago in January. <laughs> oh, that's perfect timing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I still loved it. I loved the campus. I loved the guys. Um, 
it was it was awesome. And from that point, so January of my senior year, going into senior season, I had pretty much decided I was going to go to Elmhurst and go so, play lacrosse. So what role did lacrosse play in that Elmhurst decision? Right? Was it, it was, was it an, was it an aspect of the decision? Was no. it like, man, this is this is why? Right? Yeah, what, I would. I would. I mean, I loved the campus of Elmhurst. I loved the the school. You know, they had a good business school, and you know the team, which I guess you'd lump into lacrosse. Loved the team. So, but I wouldn't have gone up there had it not been for lacrosse. I probably would have gone to, if I was just looking at school, I would have gone to A&M right. or, you know, some other school around here. Yeah, it's one thing, you know, I, I try to tell boys, because I think sometimes the message gets to boys, it's like, well, you need to make sure you'd go to a school that, you know, you'd go to if, if you weren't if making, you weren't, yeah. right? if you weren't playing lacrosse or if there wasn't a lacrosse team. And I get that, but I also know that you only get to go to college once, mm -hmm. generally. Yes. <laughs> um and you only have the opportunity to play college sports once. Right. Generally. Right. So it's valid to factor that into the discussion, right? Yes. And the decision, in my humble opinion, not that I, I know anything, right? So yeah, I was curious what role that played, right? Yeah. And I I agree with that, with what you're saying in the aspect of you want to go to a school that's gonna prepare you to get a job. Because in the end, that's the end. Right. And I felt very confident that Elmhurst was a good enough school. And I wasn't going to some crap school, some crap D school, two school, just to play lacrosse, and then I'd have to right. sell my national championship ring to, to pay the bill. But part, <laughs> but, but part of that, um, part of that preparation, right, for a job or being a citizen is or being on a team. Is being on a team. I got uh, my job. I have now. I probably would not have gotten had it not been for being on a sports team. I mean, uh, guys look for athletes, and if I was in a hiring position, I would. If I've got two identical resumes and but one guy played a sport, I'm going to take that because he understands, you know, taking orders. He understands being on a team. He understands doing things that he doesn't necessarily always want to do. I, I put tremendous amount of value on that. Yeah. So go back to. I'm not sure we're going back. Right? Not, not, we're all over the place. It's there, okay yeah. though. Your freshman season. So, you know, what was your experience when you landed on campus that fall, right? Mm -hmm. And Tell us a little bit about the fall schedule, your fall schedule, the right. fall workouts, right? And maybe how how different even just the fall was yeah. from even that senior year, right? Where that there was that elevated level of competition, yeah. right? And you know, better X's and O's and all that other good stuff. Man, what was the difference between that and just the fall? Just the fall. So uh, the workload was was incredibly incredibly different so we had you know we had fall ball so you get I think it's 15 practices you know, over about a month or so so three a week four a week and and then you have you know three workouts a week on top of that sometimes four so you're just it's work for for that month of fall ball and then after fall ball you're just doing three workouts a week till season gets started up in January but that fall ball was hard we we ran and you're you're not just running now you're running when you're sore from max lifting because you know, get up to that level and it matters, you know, your numbers in the weight room matter where in high school, you know, they helped, but it wasn't ever a focus for us. And, and most of the freshmen, actually, I felt coming from a football background, my workout background was, I felt much more comfortable than a lot of the guys that came from different places that only played the cross and they didn't focus on lifting weights either. So that's where I really think football helped in that aspect, but it was different. Um, and like I talked about with high school, you know, I always, there was always one guy on the other team that you said, okay, you know, let's play. 
with with this is you know everybody on the field could could catch and pass which I had never seen before even even when you're playing D1 there were there was always one or two kids on the team that you're playing with or against that just didn't really belong on the field necessarily right and you know again nothing against those kids it was just the volume of talent wasn't yeah. what it is at the college Absolutely. level and so all of a sudden it's different where you go okay well, first of all everybody really wants to be here everyone's not just here cuz cuz it's a sport to play uh, everybody deserves to be here and it was it was really exciting to have that level of just everyone knowing what they're doing versus it being four guys on either team that you, that were really good yeah, and this gap in yes. between them yes <laughs> this, this gap on that side of the field <laughs> yes. let's avoid that exactly <laughs> you know and that that was that was really cool and again seeing everybody's level of dedication everyone's you know saying we and that's part of what drew me up there it wasn't just some club, hey, let's get out, let's roll the ball out. You know, coach is going to be on you. He's going to make you a much better player, practice in, practice out. And everyone is going to try really hard. Yeah, what's interesting just from a, like a mentality and athletic perspective, right? So you, you played football at a competitive level all through high school. So you just kind of said, hey, that, that set me up for this. Right. Right? Where I'm, I'm willing to bet there was guys that freshman year mm-hmm. who were lacrosse kids their whole life. Yes, absolutely. Right? And majority of them. Yeah, so you know there there was different, but the same, right? They they yeah. they they came equipped, but with a, equipped with a different set of tools. Yes, right. You came equipped with, you know, I've, I've been working hard my whole life. There's nothing new here, right? Yes. In <laughs> the level of the level of athlete that we were playing against, come you know, come season, it never never scared me because I played against 300 pound tackles that right. were just terrifying human beings, but um. So I, that, to me, football helped me almost more than lacrosse, I would say, for collegiate lacrosse because I, I felt confident physically and I felt in, with the level of competition. But as far as X's and O's, you know, Staub and Newton really gave me that foundation, but I still, Coach Morell just blew me away freshman year fall, just, just being able to... Did the, the other boys on your team... Did they have a better background in X's and O's that gave them an advantage, right? Right. Were you, uh, yeah, I mean, did, did they have an advantage in that regard? I, predominantly, I would say no. I would say we were all pretty similar. I had um, a guy named CJ, who's uh, he's a graduate assistant up in Elmhurst right now. He went, he played at St. Thomas Aquinas down in Florida. It's a phenomenal lacrosse program. Their football programs ranked nationally with their lacrosse every single year. I mean, just phenomenal private schools where the Bosa's played. Um, so he definitely had a, a background of playing with two lines of division one poles and middies. But as far as a legitimate X's and O's, no, I would say none of us, because none of us came from legitimate lacrosse hotbeds and, and coach loves pulling from all over the place. I mean, I, I love it. My best friends now are from Florida, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Southern California, you know, I'm missing uh, St. Louis and it, and that's awesome. But they weren't, they weren't hotbeds, no. but, I mean, it sounds like he was recruiting smart players, right? Absolutely. Because, you know, or athletes or size, because he knows, you know, he gets you there. You're a smart kid. I can teach you the exactly. X's and O's. And that's, and that's right? the bottom line is guys that can take coaching, guys that are smart enough to be able to, to use that to get better. But for the most part, I wouldn't say there were a ton of kids that came in and said, like, and felt confident that they knew what they were doing out there. I mean, it was all the level of high school lacrosse was not necessarily great X's and O's wise going in. Right. Yeah, I had a, I've had a couple discussions with some of my former players, right? They go off in their freshman season. You, know, you kind of have to talk them through that a little bit because mm-hmm. I think they go off thinking, you know, 
kids are going to be better than me. Kids are going to be smarter than me. Kids are played more lacrosse than me, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, you you mix that into the cauldron with, you know, you're, you're a freshman away yeah. from home, right? Right. Yeah, there's so, a lot to that. They're, they're, yeah, it's tough, and you got to talk those boys off the ledge. It's like you're you're a phenomenal athlete. You're a smart guy, yeah. right? Don't get frustrated. Don't get scared. You know, stick with it. It's 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 going to be get just get through this freshman year. I yeah. promise. Right? Yeah. No matter where you go, if you're going D1, D3, or any, you know, anywhere, the coach is going to want guys that can listen to what he's saying. Coach is going to want guys that can, that can tailor their game, even if you come, come in polished. You know, every coach is a little bit different in their, how they want to teach things. So in the end, it's going to come down to how well you take coaching. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. So the, the, what kind of success did you have individually your freshman year, and what kind of success did you have as a team your freshman year? So as a team, we, uh, we went to our conference semifinal our freshman year, which was so four teams made it. You know, and the semifinals was the first round out of seven at that time. Um, maybe less. I should know that. But so we, <laughs> we didn't have a great year. We, we played a lot of good teams. Coach Morrell came from Stobb's point of view of we're going to schedule our out-of-conference ten times harder than our conference, yeah. which I love, and I would do the same thing. And so we didn't have a great year. You know, we may have won like five games that year, five and ten or something. Again, I should know that. But we went in, got we got beat pretty bad by Carthage uh, in the in the tournament, or I'm sorry, in the regular season. And then we played them in the tournament, and we lost by one. Just a last second, ridiculous, no angle goal. I still don't know how it went in. I'm still mad about it. It seems like a very personal thing. All it of a sudden, extremely <laughs> personal. I still do not like Carthage at all. And they don't like us, and that's okay. But we had never beaten Carthage at that time. And so that was kind of our first time where we, you know, we can get these guys. And they, at the time, had the defensive MVP of the conference, who's a phenomenal LSM. And it was really cool to, to be on the field with that guy. And he's a great guy. You know, we talked a little bit after the game. But so that was kind of like – and Carthage was just always a phenomenal defensive team. They still really are. Their coach prides that they they're, – they're kind of a – we're not going to slide to our poles because we're better than you. And I love I like that. It. I yeah. love that mentality. <laughs> and they've been really good at it for a long time, uh, until recently. And <laughs> but yeah, so there's a there's a kid. Oh man, I've forgotten his name. He was a goalie at Houston Christian. I think he went to Carthage. I, I, I'm assuming he's still there. He's a goalie. But what's his name? You know, I don't know. I, I hadn't heard of a of a Houston uh, Christian kid going. I can't up remember. There. His he name. might have though, because yeah. there's a lot of uh, Houston and Texas kids starting to get up there into that. CCIW and, and the Midwest, which is really cool. But, yeah, so our, our freshman year, we, we expected to be better. I think our upperclassmen kind of hyped it up a little bit because we, we kind of came into the season thinking we were going to be the guys, and we were not. And, and at that point, Elmhurst was only, you know, that was only like fourth year. We were still a pretty new program. Oh, wow, I didn't realize that. Yeah, so we were, it was, it was, we were developing it. Um, so you still had boys on your team who were – Probably like the original group of boys. Yeah. So the, from what I understand, the the first our our freshman year, the seniors were coaches first, uh, guys that he brought oh, in. All right. So and again, I could be totally off on all that. You know, I don't know if anyone listening is gonna gonna fact check me there. But <laughs> but it, Elmhurst lacrosse was very new. So we were not. You know, we we definitely moved it up in four years. For so sure. did you get that freshman year? You know, f- fall was hard got into the regular season did you say did you see legitimate playing time as a freshman or were you I started all freshman year oh wow so all and right. again that's that speaks more to the fact that we we were a, a newer team you know I didn't just come in and, and start ripping out starters yeah we just didn't have 
you know, that level of playing. And I, I got uh, all conference that year as well. And, it, and what's amazing to me is that freshman year, our conference, all conference team, you put that against like my senior year, all conference team. And it would, this senior year would, you know, blow them out. It's just the, the whole conference grew, grew tremendously. So, and that, that was exciting to watch and, and be a part of. So yeah. did, um, at any point, maybe, and maybe since it sounds like the, the, the regular season went pretty well for you, maybe during the fall, did at, at any point were you like, this sucks. I don't want to do this. I'm Our having first se- practice. I'm, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm having second thoughts. <laughs> um, for the most part, no, the first week of fall ball was just terrible. I mean, it was, I was not ready for that level of conditioning. I was, you know, trying to balance school, you know, which is a step up, obviously going to college. Right. I was not used to, to working out that intensely and practicing that hard, you know, in football, you have your, your off season. I mean, I guess in the off season, it's a similar type deal, but it wasn't to that extent of where we're working out extremely hard and then going out and practicing, you know, the hardest practice I've ever done as a lacrosse player. And that was, you know, for, for a month. So that was tough. That was really hard. And that's, that's pretty much echoed through, all of freshmen feel that way, which is probably a good thing, you know, that it's a step up and, and you've got to understand it's a different level of commitment. Yeah, yeah. But no, I would never say I was like, ah, I'm leaving. You know, but there were times I was like, this is tough. I don't know if I'm cut out for this kind of thing. I tried to, I forgot who I had this discussion with recently. It was a player. And I tried to explain to them, I said, you got to remember that when you go to the next level, at the college level, you have a coach who's married and has two kids and this is how he feeds his family. Yeah. Right? It matters. So it's not, <laughs> hey, let's ditch practice today. Or, oh, hey, that's not a big deal. Or, hey, I'm not going to take the, the mindset or the culture seriously. Or, right? right. Or, or, or who cares about the details? It's like, that's how he feeds his family, man. Yes. It's a different world. No, it right? is. And every aspect of the program is different. And it, and it was good. I loved it. You know, once you get used to the level, once your your body, and it's probably not ready until maybe even junior year, but physically, once you're, you're not necessarily worried as much about just running every day or, or the workouts, you know, then you can really start to enjoy it and enjoy the process of that. But freshmen, unless you're some physical freak, you don't come in as a freshman, you know, ready to rock and roll. Right. You just, no matter how much you run, I remember I ran my butt off that that summer down here in the heat, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna be tearing it up up there when it's 60." No, no, I was dead. So you just, you know, you're just physically same thing as a freshman in high school. You know, unless you're some freak, you're just not ready for that. Yeah, yeah. And those people exist, but they're not. They're few and far between. Did um that freshman year? Did you find that the 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 team dynamic right was different? Better, the same than high school, right? Exponentially better. It was, everyone was there to play lacrosse. You know, in high school, we had a lot of guys that, that was, you know, I don't play football, so I'm going to play lacrosse. And that wasn't necessarily bad, and they enjoyed it. But it was kind of like, I play lacrosse. You know, there were, the my group of friends were kind of, you know, we're going to go play in college. We really want to make, get better, perfect what we're doing. But most of the, 90% of the team, I would say, didn't have that mentality. And for good reason. But going up to Elmhurst, everyone was, you know, at practice, everyone's going 100%. Every dodge, this guy's trying to beat you and earn a spot. And just off the field, too. I mean, at that point, we had, like, 20 guys, maybe 25. And then but once, you know, because you have attrition in every, every school. And I think we had, like, 17 come season. 
I mean, we, so when we'd all hang out, we could all hang out in the living room, you know, <laughs> and it's not like that anymore. And now they have probably almost 30 guys, maybe even a couple more than that, which is good, especially with the games played now, the way it's up and down the field, you need two way middies, you need more middies. Um, and poles carrying the ball across. It's nice to have a fourth pole that can rotate in again, not going to X's and O's, but um, it was it was awesome, you know, having that team dynamic of guys, like every weekend, you know, we're all hanging out during the week or hanging out before and after practice as a cool. as a team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there, you know, we'd play teams well, that had sixty guys, and you think, there's, you know, that's just not the same. What was the coaching staff's role in that kind of that cultural aspect, right? Oh yeah, so coach very much prided himself on on building a culture and developing it, and it was it really made. He he always says. You know, he wants to make an experience that's going to last 40 years, not just four years. And I can already see that being six months out of school. Um, I mean, I still talk to my whole graduating class and older guys and guys still on the team every day. I mean, just because, you know, we're all real best friends and really good right. friends. And I don't think most teams have that to where, you know, I can say any, I can point at any guy on our team and say, yeah, I love that guy. And that's, you know, not saying we're better than a, but we just, we didn't have a ton of guys. So, and we were all invested. So it was, it's a, it was a good thing. And I think coach did and still does a really good job of, of building that. That, so by the end of that freshman year, right, you, there's, you built those relationships. And I, I, I sure at some point y'all sat down and compared notes, right. About your, your lacrosse experience, yeah. right. Leading up to that. Right. So, absolutely. you know, how did your experience compare to the lacrosse experience that other folks had from other parts of the country? It, I, it was very different. Um, I mean, for me, it was always, you know, especially freshman year, by the I was, I was, yeah, it was football, and then lacrosse was kind of just there, really, until my senior year of lacrosse. Not even senior year of football, I was all football. I didn't, I wasn't worried about lacrosse. I didn't care. You know, it's just, that's what it is. When you're playing football, you're playing football. And none of the other guys really had that. Um, like I said, my buddy CJ down at Aquinas had some phenomenal guys that he played with. That I mean, he I just rattle off the top ten in lacrosse. He had new guys on those teams. I mean, that's just how it was. Right. Uh, my buddy Dan from Minnesota played D two Minnesota ball, and so his highlight film is hilarious because he's just uh, just destroying these kids that have no business being on a lacrosse. And he's a phenomenal lacrosse player, but at the same time, his competition just wasn't there. But he was playing club D two Minnesota ball, and so we talked a little bit about going to D one. You know how that's such a jump, and he said it's the same thing up in up in Canada up there. Um, and so my buddy from South California, Southern California, San Diego area, played some really good, really good competition. Um, that, that area of California is just incredible. Some of those guys coming out of there, uh, St. Louis guys, same thing. D two St. Louis ball that it was just not. You know, weirdly enough, very similar. I would say Houston D two, where you've got athletes around the field. Right. But just no level of lacrosse, no sophistication, and so that was kind of interesting to see those different points of view. Yeah, it's cool though that despite that, there was still an opportunity, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing. I, I just you know everybody thinks the Duke helicopter is going to come to their game and, right. and scout them, and it's like yeah, D one, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. Yeah, doesn't work that way. There's a million different alternatives to play lacrosse, man. So, yeah. um, you know, and and and. As long as you're taking it seriously and you're focused, right? There's there's opportunity out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and then my my roommate freshman year who ended up transferring, he went to Michigan State, but he played um, really high level lacrosse at uh, in Michigan at Brother Rice. So I don't know if you ever heard yep, of them, but they're absolutely. phenomenal program. Yep. 
So again, just that was <coughs> he probably came in with the with the highest level of, of understanding as far as that goes. But again, it was just it was funny with you know him CJ playing against D one guys all over the place, and then guys that just like me and the, you know they had a guy here and there that would that was good. But the overall level of talent for the majority of high school was just not not there. So it was definitely a step up right. going to college. So what um, you know, take me through your you know the rest of your college career, right? Sophomore season. You know, was fall was fall different? Were you more prepared? Absolutely. It was easier, right? How did the, how did the regular yeah. season go? Your sophomore year, right? So yeah, so we always talk about that. So freshman fall is like the worst month of your life, and sophomore fall is awesome because not only is everything a little bit slower and you understand it a lot more, but physically you're not worried about that aspect. So you between those two things, you can really take what coach is saying and and elevate your game. Sophomore fall to me is when a lot of guys make big jumps. Freshman fall, you're thinking, I'm trying not to die. I don't, you know, I don't want to fall over and die. And coach is throwing a million things at you on purpose. You know, he's trying to overwhelm you. That's right. the point of it. And you're, it's just really hard to absorb all that. And then by sophomore year fall, everything slowed down, and you can actually take that stuff in. So sophomore year fall is great, I think, for everybody. So at what point do you think you're starting your sophomore year that? At what point does your high school experience just become irrelevant? I, I probably about then. <laughs> um, I mean, again, you're always going to have your, you know, if you came in, you, you may be starting to pick up on stuff faster if you had a better high school experience as far as, you know, level of lacrosse. But I, I mean, I think that coaches are going to want to coach the way they want to. Right. And they're, they're going to have their fundamental, you know, fundamentals are fundamentals, but Every any sport, coaches have very specific and different ways to do things, yeah, yeah. and so no matter where you go, you're going to have to adapt to that. And so again, I think the faster you can adapt is much much more valuable than even you know what you had coming in. But I know I would say by then I was all. So you felt the, the like if if there was, and I'm not saying that there was, but if if, if there had been an unlevel playing field, that's around about the time it's like okay, all that stuff. Yeah, and it, it, at that point, it becomes how smart are you of a player because then it's on you. You know, you'd say freshman year for sure, and even then, you're if you start higher, you could say you know you're gonna finish a little bit better. But I think at that point, it becomes how how fast can you get better and how fast can you you know learn the coaching versus where you started from. Right. Absolutely. So the your sophomore season, regular season, I mean, how how did that go for for you personally? Um, it was good. I, I felt much better that year. Um, that for me personally, that year I felt a lot more in control of of the defense as a whole, and I felt felt like I belonged out there. Where freshman year, I was you know just more so trying to not mess mess it up for the older guys. And um, so sophomore year was a good year because we had a um, a senior goalie and a senior pole that were that were very solid and good leaders on the team. And so then that year I felt comfortable kind of not being on necessarily a level shoulders with them, but I could talk to them and we could have legit, you know, conversations of, you know, leadership style of, right. of talks versus freshman year. It was just, you know, like, Hey, whatever you guys say, I'm going to try to not get beat. I'm going to try to do my job, you know? And, <laughs> and when the game really starts to slow down, you know, for some guys, it's freshman year. For me, it was mostly sophomore year when it really started to, and then some guys probably, you know, different than that. Um, you can start to help other people on the field. And especially, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to keep talking about defense because that's, you know, that's yeah, what absolutely. I do. But, you know, you can start to, instead of saying like, okay, I'm doing this, you know, I'm hot or I'm two or I'm backside. Um, you can start to tell, not, not only know what other people are supposed to be doing, but you can tell them 
what there's and when you got six guys telling everybody else telling each other what they're doing right that's when you start to see good defense and I like I, I always tell my boys when you know what you're doing right telling people what they need to be doing and then the, the, the other aspect of that that I kind of pound into my boys is you know you can ask yeah. and what I mean by ask is hey where's my push yes right where's my help yeah right uh, exactly. you know so you, you know and what you're trying to do is it's not for me. I'm not asking the question for yeah, me. It's like, I need you to else. get your brain engaged. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And especially um, what I always would tell, you know, when we get OMID stuck on, on defense, I would say, I don't, you know, I don't care. I know you don't really know what you're doing. You know, you guys, you guys are all dumb to me. All, just all just listen. Just like one, <laughs> one ask, say just, I mean, so um, Mac, who's my buddy from Southern California, best lacrosse player I ever played with. Kid was just absolutely incredible. Um, he would every now and then he'd be riding as an attackman and get stuck on defense. And weirdly enough, he was the best best one at it. It seemed like just because he would go, you know, like Eric, what am I? I'd say, oh, you're two, get in, or you know, oh, press out, you know, hedge out on the ball. So it's just if you ask and you can listen, yeah. as, as at any, you're gonna be okay. You know. Yeah, we talk a lot about and dangerously close to X's and O's, but with my defense, I talk a lot about them being the subject matter experts. Yeah, you are the subject matter experts on this side of the field. Yes, and if you see. You know, some knothead shorty, right, who's out of position and down on your end of the field. Guess what? You need to tell him what to do. Yes, exactly. Right? That, that's on you. And, and I'm not going to accept, well, you know, he doesn't really play defense, so that broke down because right. of him. No, no, no. no. It's on you. Right. You're the subject matter expert. And, and, and coming from, from those, that position, I can tell you there are times, a lot of the time, when you do tell them to, to fix it and they don't. Because they're either gassed from being a midi, or they just don't not make. They're off in space. <laughs> but but it comes back to the fact that, like you said, you're a subject matter expert. If you're not a hundred percent confident and don't have to think about what you're doing, you can't do that. Yeah, you yeah. that only comes from you. You. I know what I'm doing. I don't not worried about. You know, I'm not thinking crap. What am I here? It just you know that. Then that next step takes place. So you you think that came to you that sophomore year? Oh yes, I, and right. it uh, it gets better each year. Um, I would say by junior year, I was, you know, I was extremely confident in directing traffic, uh, sophomore year, uh, sophomore year, I think the confidence in myself knowing what I was doing was solidified and I could begin to make that. And the, you know, freshman year, you're, that's, you know, you're all worried about what am I doing? You know, how do right. I do my job, my job, my job. And you can't elevate the defense as a whole when your mindset is there. So that, yeah. that progression that you just described as a player from freshman to sophomore to junior, was that pretty typical for your teammates as well? I would say so. Yeah. I'd say by junior year, you know, you're an upperclassman, you're, you know, you're a leader, whether you want to or not, or whether you're vocal or not. And there's all kinds of different leaders and there's, you know, um, validity to all different ways to do that. But yes, I would say by, by your junior year, you should know what you're doing. You should feel confident telling other people what they're doing and what they should be doing. I'd say most of the guys felt that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, how did the team do your sophomore year? Uh, we did better. We had a couple more wins that year. Same thing. We lost in the conference semifinals. We lost to Illinois Wesleyan that year. Um, Illinois Wesleyan. We were the we were the three seed that year though. So we we bumped up a seed. Um, Illinois Wesleyan that year was was ridiculous. They had a legitimate D one caliber offense. Um, they had guys all like six four guys all over the field. They could just hammer the ball, and. They they adapted the um, like the Tufts the Brown style of offense just that I think I don't know about Virginia but um, where you're just gonna dodge downhill just nonstop 
it's just go, 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 go. And it's very, it's very difficult to know what you're doing and to know what everybody else is doing because it's supposed to be chaos. And they're going to shoot the ball 60 times, 70 times. They're going to turn the ball over 20 times. But the thought process is you know, it doesn't matter. We're going to score more than you. So if we give you more possessions, we're going to get another possession. They had a phenomenal face-off guy. So that combination worked really well from them. And um, so we lost to them nine goals or something in the conference semifinals. But our season was better. Our team was better as a whole. Um, but in the end, we still lost in that conference semifinal game. Did you, did you find yourself that junior year, at that point, you've gotten comfortable at the school, comfortable with individually, you know, what you can accomplish on the lacrosse field. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like, you know, X's and O's and philosophically and as a team, right, you've gotten comfortable. Is that the point at which you found yourself maybe grabbing a freshman and saying, hey, Yes. Here's the ropes. Exactly. Right? Here's how things work. This is what you need to focus on, right? right. On and off the field. Is that, is that did, did you see that develop maybe that, that junior year as well? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, in that, say, like junior year fall, you know, we're at the point as a team where we're not going to spend, you know, my freshman year, we'd, we spent all fall on 1v1s fundamental. You know, by the end, we were doing 4v4s just because that was how much time we needed to spend right. on each step by my junior senior year you know we were doing sixes you know in a couple weeks in and we coaches never wanted to focus on that it was always you know fun fall is about fundamentals and about getting making us better but it the we learn things faster as a team so as a freshman coming in it's harder I would think because you're not we're not spending three practices doing the same drills like right. we did freshman year so it is as an upperclassman it is your job there to bring them along and you're going to have to spend more time helping them because they're not getting as much time in practice from coach on the fundamental basic things for, for good reason. Cause most of our team, you know, was confident in those things. Right. So you didn't need to where freshman year, you know, we had like six, seven freshmen that were playing, you know, you needed, you needed to spend time on that. So it's just, it's just the curve of a program. So did your, you know, as that's a great point as, as the, as the program grew, right. And as your role changed, I mean, and that engagement with those freshmen, was it to the point where outside of the context of, of practice or team workouts, I mean, did you find yourself grabbing a player and, and helping them outside the context of those structured team? Right. Um, yes. I, I think a lot of our guys, you know, that wasn't just me, just because, you know, we were all very invested in it and we all cared. But, you know, I mean, sophomore year, I remember we would uh, – Sophomore year, me and some of the freshman polls, we'd go, we'd have a couple beers and we'd watch film. And I'd say, you know, and because a lot of time you've got all kinds of different, um, all kinds of different notes from coach and it's going so fast and you don't necessarily know what he means and everything. And uh, so you, you, know, you could sit down as an older guy and go, okay, he means this. Like you, you did this and you can really break it down because coach would have 500 notes on film because, you know, he, he took time doing it and right. we really appreciate that. And I think that. Film to me is such a massive tool that a lot of people in Houston don't use. But well, and, and not to interrupt, but I preach all the time to boys, and as it relates to film, right? Film's a lot of things. Film is the MIA game of the week that's broadcast on YouTube every week. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, come on. Yeah, <laughs> there's, there's free high-level high school lacrosse available to you broadcast live on YouTube every week during the season. Why are you not watching that? Yeah, yeah, yeah you're not wrong. <laughs> right. You're not wrong. Um, yeah, that's cool. So what the, I mean, it sounds like at that point, man, your, your college experience is vastly different from your high school experience. Yes. At this point, incredibly, right? incredibly um, different. A lot more focus, right? In your, you know, junior level, senior level, senior, uh, junior year, senior year of your high school experience, you talked about that group of five boys that you mm -hmm. had. And, and I bet y'all were 
you know, you're a tight knit group, you're keeping track of each other. You're probably having maybe some of these discussions about film and tactics and yeah. a little bit, but it wasn't extending more broadly. No, no. Right? And you weren't spending the time outside of lacrosse necessarily working on that stuff. So yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely different. Man, so just in a matter of three years, yeah, drastic difference, yeah. right? And that's and I love that, you know, like that's you know that's why you go and and you don't put in that kind of effort into something and then not care outside of it, you know, because you, it comes down to you put in all this. You, do you want to lose a game because you didn't watch film after you practiced your butt off, or you know? Right. So it's just it's all those little things that everyone cares about. But I and I know this is repetitive for anybody who's listened before because I talk about this a lot, right? So here in Texas in high school lacrosse. I contend, and this is going to sound bad when I say it, but that's fine. There's a lot of boys who shouldn't be playing, right? Yeah. And they're, they're not playing for a couple reasons. Or they are playing, I'm sorry, for a couple reasons. That we measure success by body count mm-hmm. in Texas, Yes. right? We measure success by just sheer count of teams, which is dependent on body count, mm-hmm. right? And as a result of that, we don't cut kids. And because we don't cut kids, the product on the field suffers, Right. right. So there could be one or two good players potentially on the field at, at any one time. That's, you know, a legitimate player. Right. Right. And it's some of it's painful to watch. Right. Yeah. And the, the beauty of getting to that next level. Right. For for you and for Elmhurst. Right. And the experience you had was, like you said, man, you narrowed, narrowed that that population down the folks that, that give yeah. a shit, frankly. Exactly. Right. And it doesn't matter what it is. Film, diet, working out, running as a team, mm-hmm. whatever it took. Right. Right? And that's, man, that's, that's something that's missing in the overwhelming majority of teams in Houston, right? In Texas more broadly, but in, in, yeah. in Houston for sure, right? Um, I don't know. And maybe I'm making too much of it because what you've said, right, is that the experience of your teammates in high school was pretty similar to yours. Right. right? Yeah, I would agree with that. So, you know... Maybe I'm being too critical. No, I, I don't disagree with you. I think I think anytime you go up to the next level, you go up to college, no, no matter what level it is, you're gonna have an, a step up in your level of dedication. You know, if if you are a team that that cares and wants to play right. you know, at a high level, so I, I don't necessarily expect all high school teams to have that level of approach. However, I do agree with you that you know it would it would pay dividends. To, to have those things in place, almost like, you know, a football. I mean, we had a lot of that stuff for football. We didn't have it for lacrosse, you know? So right. if you weren't, you know, if you weren't one of the two or three guys in the friends with lacrosse program that played football at the time, you weren't getting that. You weren't getting those workouts. You weren't, you know, getting all that structure. That's, that's interesting. I wonder how much of the, the culture and the mentality, right. Carried over. Oh, I'm a hundred percent. From, from, from that sport to lacrosse, right? I, I think it did. And wasn't necessarily native to lacrosse. You know what no, I'm saying? No, they, <laughs> the, the two sports, and again, going back to, you know, the friends, some of the friends with coaches at the beginning being being a little weird about that, the two sports are perfect to, to balance each other. You know, there's all these studies now of, of doing repetitive motion and getting, you know, you see baseball pitchers, you know, having Tommy Johns in high school. It's right. ridiculous. So, so playing multiple sports is healthy for you physically. And on top of that, you know, lacrosse challenges your brain in a completely different way that we already talked about. You know, it's, it's so fast and so quick. And just, I mean, just purely, if you want to go at even even dumber level, like footwork as a, as a pole. I mean, like for, say, a, a safety or a corner. I mean, you're backpedaling, you're breaking, on, you know, right. you're making reads. And what's different about pole? You know, you're low, you're backpedaling, Absolutely. you're attacking a ball, and then you're getting your hands on a guy. It's this, you know, it's very similar in that aspect. And... So it's just they, they work together so well. I don't see, necessarily see a negative in 
it at all of playing both. And I still have yet to hear a, a legitimate argument. You should, and I don't believe it exists. But <laughs> I, you know, when I talked to, uh, oh, shoot, it was either Rich Moses or David Cohn. I can't remember which. And they were talking about the multi-sport athletes that they have on their team, the football players that they have on the t- their team. And man, they, they took it. I, the extreme is the wrong word because it's not the extreme. It makes perfect sense, right? They're football boys who are going directly from football season into their lacrosse season. Mm-hmm. They actually require them to take time off. Yeah. That there's, there's a recovery period. Yeah, and that's and, good. The, and they work with the training staff to make sure, you know, whether it's, just light running or stretches or or, right. or or you know physical therapy whatever it is that there's actually a defined period recovery period that they That's require that they those boys that. right between yeah. the two sports yeah. right. And I thought, man, that, that blew me away. That was awesome, right? Yeah, that's cool versus yeah. coaches going the other way and saying, you know, we want to get the maximum out of you. Right. But it what's what's incredible is you'll have these injuries, you know, football more so, but in lacrosse too, especially, you know, gets to the point we always joked about in lacrosse, you know, freshman year, you never, you don't know who the trainer is. Sophomore year, you know, you know who they are. Junior year, you're going, you know, three times a week or so. By senior year, you're spending an hour hour every day before and after practice in the training room because you're so banged <laughs> up and old. And the, you know, what's funny is that's not far from the truth. You could ask our trainer about that. But you have these lingering issues that just aren't going to go o- away over the course of a season. And right. But it's amazing. I mean, like football, I remember I had some, like my shoulder, um, I separated it like second to last game of my senior year. And it was just terrible. That The last game I played, I couldn't push anybody. I mean, this arm was useless. And it, I just remember thinking, like, this is terrible. And I had two weeks, three weeks of no activity, and it was it was way better. So it's just the pro- inactivity is so good for you after having such a long period of, of physical. You're, all these things that you think are never going to go away, it's weird. <laughs> they get yeah. healed up like that. So it's, it's interesting. So not to uh, not to discredit the end of your college career, but I want to get through it real quick. All good. <laughs> so your senior yeah. year... Uh, same question, right? How, how did you how did you perform personally, and how did how did the team do your senior so, year? Yeah, so so junior, you're you're an old hat at this point, right? Yeah, falls a breeze. Yeah, like, ah, screw no, that. It was good. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we had a we had a great year. Junior year, we had our record was better, but our schedule got even harder. Senior year, so we took a step back. Um, but like junior year, I think we were like thirteen and three by the end of the year, which coming from a five win freshman, you know, it's was a good jump. Um, senior year had a really really solid season. Um, defense by that point we had a lot of of older guys playing that were playing really well um and so we made it to our conference championship for the first time in program history senior year which was really cool we beat Carthage in the uh in the semifinal which is nice it's really nice and uh, I'm not gonna lie that was really nice yeah. <laughs> and yeah we always joke about you know Carthage guys are Carthage guys and Elmer's guys are Elmer's guys you, you there there's a difference there's a different breed between us but so we beat them um and then lost to Illinois Wesleyan in the conference championship you know but, but being able to get from a team that was a perennial four seed to saying legitimately we belong in this conference championship I would say you know for years to come it's cool to to have been a part of that. So, yeah, that's awesome. would have liked to get one of those conference championships, but hey, you know, it happens. So, it you, so you're you're you've developed as a player, mm-hmm. clearly invested in the sport. You went off to school, invested in a team. You wrap up your senior year. Total bummer, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, we wanted that one. We really, you know, you work all that. You, when you looking back at it, you. 
you know, all the, like you look back at freshman year fall when you're at, at that point, you go, man, like we've come so far, you know, you really wanted to take that, that step and we just, just didn't get it done. But so, so at the end of that, when you're, you know, being introspective about your career because it's, it's over. Yeah, that's what you do. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, did, did you look back in the, in the macro and say, you know, coaching and, and, and lacrosse in Houston and Friendswood in Texas served me well, got me to this point, right? And, 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 and I grew as a person and in, in the total body of work was, was positive and it all made sense. Or do you look back and go, well, you know, high school didn't really set me up for this. Yeah, um, I, would... I overcame my high school career, right? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, what, what, what were your, yeah. your th- or did you have any? Or were you like, I don't even no, care, I'm done. I would, <laughs> I would say closer to, to door number two there. Um, but no, I, I wouldn't say I overcame it. I, I do think that without, uh, you know, first of all, Coach Kirk's establishing and giving some kind of foundation, you know, I would, first of all, never would have done it. Right. And then on top of that, if I wouldn't have had Coach Staub come in and show us, you know, like lacrosse is more about is more about the mental side of it than it is just running down, you know, right hand alley and, and throwing it than that, which we I joke, but that's what our understanding was of the game before that. And so had it not been for Coach Staub and him bringing in, you know, outside resources, like you said, and going to Division One, I, I would 100% say I was 0% prepared. Um, that being said, with Staub, I mean, I, I give him most, you know, more credit than probably anybody else as far as preparing me for, for college. I mean, just, just him, you know, giving him credit again for, for taking SD1. Because that's right. where the rubber really. Yeah, made it run. seems like there was a couple really key points, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the the coaching change, right, and not being judgy, but just the the change, right, that occurred, yeah. and then that decision to go D one that allowed you to play high level competition, high level lacrosse, right? So those were those are two really key points, right? Yeah, absolutely. And um, but at that out, that outstanding, you know, I wouldn't say Houston lacrosse necessarily, you know, made me ready to go in and just light it up in college. But, you know, had, again, had it not been for those two things, I would say I would have been totally, totally not ready for it. So I, I guess what concerns me, if that's the right word, what, what, what concerns me about that is that's like a pretty razor thin margin there. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. It's like we can point at this discussion and there's two things and both of them had to happen. Yes. And it's just those two things. Without those two things, yeah. and, and, and right? That's, that's that's where it is. You know, I mean, that's that's how it is, though. Is you just you don't have the level of lacrosse in the majority of Houston that is gonna prepare kids to go play. And I played at a you know an average middle of the road by the end above average Division three school. There's better lacrosse out there, right? Right. And, and I would say you know how I was prepared. You, you talked about that. So I just Houston lacrosse is it overall is not not doing that yeah it just i mean i yeah as i was sitting there formulating that idea i'm like that is a razor thin margin of error yeah, man it's funny to look back at it and, and because you that. you know you look at you know pick a pick a program right woodlands highland park whoever it is right that there's this 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 foundation built from man whatever it is first grade right yeah. whatever craziness it is right and and you listen to rich moses and, and, and how purposeful and, and and, and, and intentional he is about the culture and the right. way they build practice programs. And it's like, it just builds one layer after another. And, you know, is there a single thing you can point out that was successful or, or, or not successful in that program? And, you know, 
now it's like it's just this this massive broad right. foundation right yeah and then in your case it's like man there's these two things yeah right. <laughs> but then you know going again going to my college career i would feel more about how you were saying that like this this whole overall culture that made my experience inside and outside of lacrosse what it was and just yeah, as yeah. a lacrosse player making me who i was and my teammates who we were um, I would agree more with what you're saying. It's, it's yeah. like overall, you can't point to one thing and say, oh, well, coach did this thing. And, you know, cr- this was absolutely yeah. critical. Yeah. This one thing, no, right? You could, <laughs> you, could, you could just say the way we ran the, the way coach ran the program, the way he handled us as, as men and as lacrosse players and, you know, our culture as a team. You can point to a hundred different things and say it led to this. Yeah, that is, I've never really thought about that. But yeah, it's but two the, very different. But st- also, step back to those two things, right? And And, and think about, this is speculation on my part, so you're welcome yep. to hit me in the head when I say something's done, <laughs> right? right? Um, despite the fact that you'll have to come all the way. <laughs> Those are two razor-thin things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But think about you personally, your mentality, how football prepared you to compete right, right and work. If, if it were somebody else and those were the two things, would they have... Would, it, would, it, would they have identified those two things with the two things with those two things have made them successful especially that second thing because i suspect there's people who are like d1 high level of competition nah done right and again yeah. we go back to those two razor thin right. things right yeah nah, and it, it it may have unfortunately you know it could have broke a different way for somebody who yeah didn't have that same mentality right yeah no you're right i mean you never know i i guess yes you could say you know I mean, again, going all the way back to the, you know, in there when I said sure to my mom, like <laughs> it, it amazes me when you think about all these tiny little decisions that lead you to where you were right. or where you are. And, but yeah, no, I would say, you know, and you're getting to some Freud stuff, but, uh, I would say, yeah. <laughs> talk about your id. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But you, I mean, you never know if someone, if a different person in my scenario would have gone a different way with it. Yeah. You know, but yes, I, I would say with a high level of probability, that it very well could have happened, you know. I it wouldn't surprise me. It, you know, looking back, I don't think if I did it again, I don't think it'd go the same way necessarily. Really? I, I, just, I just, I mean, just from a pure standpoint of how many like kind of eh, things that happened, you know, I, you know, I wasn't always sold on lacrosse really until the end, and and again, I almost didn't go to Elmhurst because. I didn't book the ticket and coach reconvinced me to come up. I almost didn't even play. You know, there's all these little things, you know, God has a way to get you where you're supposed to be. And I'm so thankful that it all ended up the way it is. You know, I said, I forgot about the airline ticket story. That was pretty funny. Coach, I didn't make a, I didn't know you wanted me to come up anymore. And then, and then, you know, so that was the bye week in football. So then I had, that's why I had to wait till January because I couldn't come up any of the rest of the fall. So I, so I'm up there freezing. But I still loved it, man. It was it's just a cool campus. And it, the guys, I instantly saw in those guys what, what I talked about, how just everyone wanted to be there. Everybody loved each other. And you can see that. It's very, you know, as a recruit, I would say anybody listening who's, who's going to go look at different schools, you know, you can see that very clearly. Luke McAdams, for example, he came up, had a good visit. We had a good time. He loved the guys. But he was going to Stevenson on a visit. And I remember thinking, I was like, you know, if he if he likes Stevenson, I want him, I'd love to have him at Elmhurst. He's a phenomenal athlete and a great midi, just a good guy. Uh, I remember thinking, if he's going to go to Stevenson, he loves it. I want him to go there. You know, I want him here, but I want him to be where he feels right. best. And he said, and he messed. He came over to my parents' house um, in a Stevenson shirt as a joke to say like, oh, I picked Steven, and then he took it off and had the Elmhurst. <laughs> it was really funny, but 
he um, he said right away, he, you know, these these are good guys, they're cool guys, I can tell. But it's just you just wasn't the same, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, it's to me, it's obvious when you know when you see a group of guys that that want to be together and that like each other outside of lacrosse, that and that makes all the difference. So what? Um, I'm always amazed when I look down at my watch. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know. Holy it's, cow! Yeah. Um, so now, what are you doing now? What are you, what are you doing now specifically as it relates to? You know, maybe playing. What are you doing as it relates to your alma mater, Elmhurst, mm-hmm. and and what are you doing as it relates to coaching? So playing, not much. I mean, I'll be playing in the sevens tournament. Uh, I've played in that. I've played in that the last few years. I'm gonna try to fly a few buddies down uh, so they can play with us. Um, try to get back in shape for that. I've not been working out like I should. It's really bad. Um, but coaching. So I, I'm gonna be coaching for Pearland this spring uh, oh, cool. in a little bit in the fall. I'm really excited about that to get awesome. back with Coach Staub. Uh, I think we work well together because you know he can he very much can coach offense and defense, but he and he'll tell you he's a defensive minded coach. He's full of crap. Um, he <laughs> likes to think that he's you know a defensive. <laughs> I just tell you straight up, and I've told him that he he's a really good defensive coach because he's a very detail oriented coach, and you have to be to coach defense, I think. And but he likes to focus on offense, no matter what he wants to tell himself. Yeah, yeah. And so he can give me the reins, and I can run the. And he knows I can run the defense, and I can I can handle that. We run we do the same system essentially and um and then he can focus on offense and really do what he wants to do um and then we always have fun at practice at the end you know my guys against his guys it's always fun so but i'm excited for that i'm excited to coach Pearland. there's a lot of good athletes there so i'm excited so is this now i think you've coached with Staub on and off maybe like in the off season with the we've coached a lot of summer ball together yeah. yeah so is it this is your first opportunity to coach during the regular season down here yes so i'm, I'm stoked about that because um, there's zero focus on defense down here. I know zero, and, and, it, at, and it kills me. Right? Oh yeah. That's that's my, and again, me being you know selfish here, but that's my focus. Yep. Period is defense. Same. Right? And I don't care about offense. I don't. <laughs> and, and and people mistake that right because yeah. I say I don't care about offense. They they mistake it, and I know you have run into the same issue. They're like, oh, he doesn't know offense. No, well, horseshit. I, I know yeah. offense pretty well, and I know it from a defensive perspective. Yes, and right. You, yeah, and you could argue that people that know offense the best are defensive guys. Yeah, yeah smart yeah. defensive guys. <laughs> but I, I agree, and it amazes me. And I kind of going into this was hoping we'd talk about it a little bit more, but we just got caught on other stuff. But it truly amazes me how defense gets disregarded in Houston lacrosse. It's it's an afterthought. It's like okay, it I need I need but your six best athletes over here. And then give Who's the other left? guys give the other guys poles. Yeah, who can walk and chew gum at the same time? Exactly. Right? Yeah, put them over there. The only reason I ended up playing pole was because in eighth grade I was behind with my stick because I hadn't played for a year. I could I we played one one game in one tournament. I wasn't even cradling. I was just running around with it like this. And so my coach and I was one of the bigger kids out there. So he goes, "Here's a pole. You're playing defense now." Which honestly you can look at and go, "That's another detriment." Is they look at the worst stick handling kids. And they give them poles, which like up in New York is not how it works. A lot of times the better handling kids are poles. So I give X's and O's, but that's all right. I, I have, I bring, I always bring a stack of spare shorties to practice. Mm-hmm. And there were times during last season where I had starting close defenders practicing for weeks at a time sure so. with shorties. Yeah, I'd practice at Elmhurst a lot. And, and, and I would, the whole time, you know, whatever drill or scrimmage, whatever we're doing, I'm on them feet first. Yeah. Feet first. Exactly. Think about your feet, right? My, I don't care where your stick is. Ignore your positioning. I want you to focus on what you're doing with your feet. Yeah. Right. 
my my I mean my coach did that too because a lot of times you know when when I would you know I was always a feet first guy but when I would get a, I'd get a little bit lazy handsy I'd have I mean I was a senior at Elmhurst you know I was in the middle of an all-american season and I'm playing with a little short nub like this so you know high school kids can play with a freaking nub right they they're it's okay yeah, yeah. and uh but yeah, I mean, it legitimately makes you better. A lot of times, I don't give my kids sticks when we're doing footwork drills. Just put your hands on a guy. You, you know, then it's almost more of a, you know, you're obviously at that point, you run into leaning issues. You get your heads back is what I always tell them. But um, you uh, you worry about getting your hands almost like an offensive lineman style. Yeah. Uh, and that almost, I think, cultivates a physicality, you know, where you're like, let me just dominate. I have. So yeah, you and I need to coach together. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I want to... I tell my boys, first off, we never start on ball. Yeah. Foundation of a defense is off ball. It's on the backside. Yeah, what the exactly. hell is going on back there? Right. But on ball, once we build that foundation, I want to get crazy on ball. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. Right. And I want to physically dominate people. I want people when they receive the ball in space to be terrified. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I just want them to be fearful that this cat is about to physically dominate. Me, right. Right. Yeah, and I love that. The only issue you run into with that, um, especially like in Houston, is you've got kids that just just constantly are pressing and have no fundamental footwork. So then they just get run by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to. I, I love being able to do that, and we've ha I've had to gotten to coach some kids. Uh, you know, there's a couple LSMs around Houston that I think were phenomenal that should have been a lot better if they got coached. That over the summer that you know you develop that that footwork, then they can do that and they can recover. Yeah, but yeah. so many times you see these kids do that that have no business doing it. But I can accommodate as a as a coach, I can accommodate that if I can nail that off rotation ball. off ball. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, and I'm not saying it's the right thing. Don't get me no, wrong. But I but yes, you can say, you know, this guy can get beat if we're okay. It's you know, right. it's, it's a lot easier for five guys to help the on ball guy than it is for just one guy to help uh, you know, five guys behind him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I totally agree. Off ball is way more important than all. You can get it's the same thing I tell D mids and O mids. I don't care if you get beat, get beat here. Right, right. This is I tell I tell the boys all one of the one of our principles is these are valid entry points into our defense. Mm -hmm. I love it when an offensive player exactly. enters here, man, because we are going to take We're his head off. Yeah. <laughs> but that, and what's funny though is you tell that to these 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 junior and seniors in high school. You know, you come in and you tell them, you say, "Look, we're it's not it's not you're not an offensive lineman where you you cannot get beat necessarily. Even though an offensive lineman, the same way where you want to funnel into different areas, it's right. very similar." But um, so many of these kids, you go, look, here's why. And you go and you show them the goal, how it's, you know, the angle. The goalie can play the angle. It's a 10 times easier shot. You see a guy that's covering next guy that's actually sitting in the right off-ball position for once instead of back at X, <laughs> shaking the guy's hand. And they're like, oh, so we've got a slide to his face, a guy on his right, so he, he can't run all the way to the goal. It's an easy shot, and our backside's in. Wow. So we, and it's, just, and it's, it's like, you should know this, and it's not your fault. Right. But it's just, but you're right. For Houston coaching is just no. not on defense. And then, you know, there's, once you develop a goalie, right, there are shots that I straight up want to encourage you to take. Yeah. Because that's the quickest way for me to get the ball back. Exactly. Right? The, yeah. a, a turnover, honestly, is a pretty low price. It's a, it's a, there's a low Especially likelihood. I've got to, I've got to, I've got to get the ball out of your stick. Yes. I've got to get it on the ground, and, and then I've got to pick it up. And clear it. Yeah. yeah. So the quickest way for me to do that is to have take you take a, a crappy shot. shot. Yeah. You know, Coach, Coach Morell always you know, talked about, he said, you know, as a defense, you're not trying to eliminate shots. If you're trying to eliminate shots, you're going to fail. 
So you want to generate bad shots for them. And like you said, give it to our goalie. And that's how where you want to clear it from. Fair. And again, especially with the shot clock now in college. And is there, is Houston, do we have a shot clock down here? Not really. No. I didn't think so. Um, <laughs> no, this is, this is Texas high school rules. Well, they always tried to, they always <laughs> pretended like they played by college rules and they didn't ever, but we played by college rules, except when it's except, not convenient. Except when we don't want to. <laughs> that's how it's always been. But uh, especially with the shot clock, it's almost even less so where you want to take the ball. Cause why would you always risk trying to strip a guy and get beat when you say you you only have thirty seconds left. Like just play solid, fundamental, inside out defense. Press when it's when it's right. opportunistic for you. Press him to a point on the field where you want him to be, yeah. and make him take action defensively that you want him to take. Exactly. Right. Yeah, you, so many so many times it's you know you're letting you don't want to let the offensive guy and as an offensive guy you want to dictate what's happening. Same thing. Whoever can set a, set the terms of engagement is probably going to win. You know, athletic freak withstanding. Um, so it's just. But it's just amazing to me some of these kids that, and it's, and they're smart kids and they take it and they understand it. It's just you think, man, if you, if you could have been taught you know fundamental stuff from a younger age, you'd be just such a, in a better position yeah, yeah. now to succeed. And it's and it's kind of sad to be honest because there's kids that that fall through the cracks like that that could be legitimate lacrosse players that that don't ever get a chance to do it. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm excited that you're coaching here um, for a couple of reasons. I'm always excited to see new faces. Yeah. There is this 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 retread thing going on around here with coaches. That's crazy. Right. Um, but then also to have somebody, a legitimate defensive brain, right, that's going to be here in Houston coaching legitimate defense. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm excited. That's awesome. And, like, just, you know, like, friends, what I coached a lot of those polls uh, through summer lacrosse when I was in college and I was down here in the summer a couple times. And, I mean, friends would, to me, maybe, I don't know about last year, but, like, two years ago, should have had – the best, maybe without the Woodlands, should have had the best defense in Houston. I mean, they had a goalie who was phenomenal. And that kid, I love that kid. He came out of nowhere. I mean, he was just very, just okay. And then all of a sudden, he was an all-district, all phenomenal goalie, Joel. And then they had three or four poles that were just, like, if they played, if they weren't dumb about it, they were not going to get beat. And they were all smart guys, so they're going to be in the right spot off ball. And it was amazing to me that they were getting lit up, you know, and, and I just... That's just, but Friendswood is at a point now where it's, you know, let's let everybody play. And there's, you know, there's a credence to that. Sure. You know, I don't agree with it, but yeah, yeah, let's yeah. let everybody play. We don't want a coach yelling at, at a player because heaven forbid that he gets yelled at, you know, because when he goes off to college, the coach is just going to Oh, they never, they never oh, yell in college, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but, but, man, some of these Friendswood parents have this idea of, you know, it's all good. Be happy and positive all the time. And that's going to get the best out of it. Everybody's going to play. And that's fine. If you want that, that's good. But you're going to get a product of Friends with the Cross that you have now, which but is the, not competitive. But you can be, good. you can have that, that, that positive mindset, mm -hmm. it, but you can still be competitive. Right. Right. Yeah, and you can still that. be aggressive and yeah. angry and physical. Mm -hmm. Right. It's yeah, not. Oh, yeah. You don't have to just yell at kids all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if you want to be a good program, you know, you're gonna you're gonna have to one let a coach do it the way he wants to do it, right. and on top of that, you you know, you need to say, hey, we want to have a varsity, you know, a team. We want to have a competitive team versus right. having some watered down product. And again, if that's what you want, that's what you're gonna yeah, get. That's fine. But man. I agree, you can go the whole Dabo versus Saban approach, where you know you got Saban who's just all over his guys, and then Dabo who's all about you know being good and empowering them as he says right. they both work yeah. and <laughs> so, he's as competitive right exactly yeah. but yeah. i guarantee you Dabo is hard on his guys too you know he's not just 
hey, it's all good, guys. You know, Jason yeah. Garrett clapping. <laughs> that's a ter- butt. That's a terrific effort. <laughs> yeah. And again, so. All right, we're, we we've been at this for almost two hours, dude. Have we really? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. I think we're 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 probably pushing. No one's out. listening anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so it's as so now this is I. I I use uh, Castos as the platform to publish my content, and they okay. publish it to uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Okay. And it's pretty interesting all the the analytics and statistics yeah. I get. Right, man, I could I you tell see how many people are watching and stuff. Where people are coming from? Really? What what, what are the abandonment rates of an episode? Really, that's right? pretty cool. What operating system? What kind of phone or laptop are they using? What browser? Really? Because right? you can get to. I have a website, then Spotify, and then Apple Podcasts. Right, so. I can see where everybody's coming from. Nice. It's pretty wild. So yeah, so, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll be able to tell you. Yep, you're right, Eric. At about 90 <laughs> minutes, everybody dropped off. <laughs> what you're probably going to see is you're going to see all my buddies that are going to tune in. So you're going to see all these different areas, a lot of Chicago, and then they're going to tune out about halfway because they're going to get bored of me. I guarantee you. You just watch. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, that's all I got. Do you have anything else? No, man. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. I Perfect. really appreciate it. Thank you.